In episode 536 with Richard Rudd, we are diving deep into gene keys. Now, if you love human design and astrology, you are going to love this conversation. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because I absolutely love things like astrology and human design. Now, a friend of mine introduced me to the Gene Keys many years ago, and I fell in love. I'm obsessed with those types of things that just allow us to understand ourselves on such a deeper level. I have always been obsessed with them, and this is going to help you know yourself on such a deeper level. Now, Richard Rudd is the creator. He is also an international teacher, mystic, and poet who attended Edinburgh University, gaining a master's degree in literature and metaphysics. He is a born explorer, And he studied with great teachers in the East and traveled through the Himalayas, the Pacific, the Americas, and the Arctic. Richard has trained as a teacher in Qigong and meditation in Thailand. Throughout his adventures, he has explored his love of writing. And in 2006, he won a Fish International Poetry Award. Richard's mystical journey began early in life as he experienced strange energies rushing through his body. Now, this propelled him onto his spiritual search. And all his studies became synthesized in 2002 when he began to write and receive the Gene Keys, a vast synthesis exploring the miraculous possibilities inherent in our DNA. It took seven years to write the book, seven years, and to understand its teachings and applications. Now, today, Richard continues to extend and embody the wisdom he receives sharing it with an ever-growing audience around the world. And his work has been translated into many languages. And in 2019, he was named on the Watkins list of the 100 most spiritual influential living people. That is pretty incredible. Now for everything that we mention in today's episode, including the Gene Keys book, which you are going to want to get right away and devour it. It's a big book, but it is incredible. You want to head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash 536 for everything that we mentioned. Now let's dive in and bring on the incredible Richard Rudd. Richard, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Well, Melissa, it's a little bit early, so... So I haven't had any breakfast yet, but I'm having my morning tea with you, which are these, I'm a big tea drinker, like in terms of like, I drink these very sometimes old fermented Chinese tea. It's like a a little ceremony I do. So I have my little um, teapot, tiny little teapot, my little cups, and I sit in the mornings before the sun comes up every morning and um, I just contemplate the world 
my life the day to come. So I'm having my tea with you this morning. So cheers. <laughs> Breakfast will come later. You'll probably see the sun coming up while we're doing this. So <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. Well, I'm excited to be in your morning tea ceremony with you. Thank you for having me with you because you are on the other side of the world. You are currently in the UK and I am in Australia. So I am ending my day. You are beginning your day. Exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are so excited. Now, for those that might not have encountered them before, could you please give us a brief overview of what the gene keys are? Because I first discovered the gene keys when one of my friends, Mackenzie, she came to me and was like, do you know about gene keys? And I was like, gene what? And she gave me this book that was the size of a brick and said, you need to learn and know all about gene keys. So for those listening who are like, what are gene keys? Can you please give us an overview? Yeah, sure. I'll do my best. <laughs> there are, I mean, in a, in a elevator pitch, you know, to someone who doesn't know anything about, they're a system of, of self-transformation or, or, you know, personal development. That's the, you know, obviously that's the sphere we're in anyway. And so they represent a whole journey of self-reflection, contemplation, inner transformation. And they're called the gene keys for several reasons. The first one is that it's very focused on the body, on our body, on our, on our chemistry, on how we operate and how we're programmed and how we can change that programming, you know, through lots of different ways, but understanding how we are kind of the algorithms, if you like, I call them sometimes the algorithms of awakening, because in a way, when you look into the structure of our DNA and how we function, you see universal codes. And so the gene keys are based on understanding those universal codes. And the book that you spoke of translates those codes into psychological, mystical, shadow-based transformational journeys. And it's rooted also, it's, it's heavily kind of inspired by the Chinese I Ching, which has the same mathematical coding structure as DNA. You know, so it's the same. I mean, it's really remarkable that something so old reflects some, some very, you know, some, something discovered only very recently. So it's it also, they synthesize many different approaches and they give us a, the most popular part of the Gene Keys are the what we call these gene keys profiles. And they're also, some of your viewers may have heard of human design, which also has contributed to the birth of the gene keys. So it's inspired by that system and many others. But you have these online profiles, free profile that anyone's listening now, I might as well say this. If you want to go to genekeys.com, you can download your free profile while you're listening to this and look at it while I'm talking. And it's a nice way of going into these algorithms and under, to understand ourselves better. It sort of also has an astrological component. So the profile is calculated from time, date, place of birth. You don't need to have your time that accurate. It's quite forgiving as a system. And then you learn as you go along, rather than having an expert tell you what it all means, you figure it out for yourself. And that's where the art of contemplation comes and all the tools I've created, books and audios and webinars and all of that. 
and it gives you a really a really powerful journey so that so basically since they came alive the gene keys in like 2009 when i wrote the book and published it they've kind of just spread all over the place so they've been translated into lots of languages and lots most importantly that people are having kind of powerful transformational experiences with them and it can so they can help you with anything from anxiety to health issues to especially relationships and spiritual illumination and understanding kind of why we're really here. So that's, you know, five minute version. I love it. So how many profiles are there? How many? How many possible profiles? Yeah. How many possible profiles? Or is it just infinite? Well, it's sim- It's quite simple. You know, it's, it's actually, you know, it doesn't need to drill down into that much depth because when you look at the archetypes of humanity, there's actually not that many. If you kind of consider all the different things that we go through in our daily lives or as a species, when you see it in, in the movies, there's the same themes coming up over and over and over again. And so when you look at the gene keys and you look at your gene keys, you will see a specific set of kind of archetypal storylines, narratives, which the ancients, I guess, called your dharma. So there's, there's actually only 64 versions because there's only 64 keys and there's only 64 codons in our DNA. And there are variations of those as well. So that it does go into like bigger permutations. So there are, there are tens of thousands of permutations. But the way in which we live them out is completely unique. So that whole question of twins with the same profile or the same chart or whatever, they live two very different versions of those narratives. And so they manifest through their own attitude to life. And attitude is the key. It depends on what kind of energy or frequency you input into your own storyline, into your own DNA. And then through your attitude, you actually create your own story. So you can have the same story as someone else, storyline, and in Gene Keys, you can see it at the shadow level. So you can see your story. This is how it looks when you're playing it out at a victim level. You can see that playing out. And we all see that. We all do that. And we all kind of know those stories. And then you can also see it playing out at a high level, at a gift level, I call it. The, the, you know, in each, There are words for each of these in the keys. So you understand, like, so maybe I don't know, it'd be good if we had yours. But I can use mine. Let's do mine. So I've got genius, love, prosperity. Yeah, that's it. And do you have some words in, connected to those? If you go down the page or... A journey of self-illumination. There we go. Let's take that. Okay. So it'll give you, it gives you some information, some things to yeah. read, some little breadcrumbs to follow. But essentially, it's the beginning of a journey when you get your gene keys. So 42, you know, in the profile, we call this the life's work. And so it's kind of about the lesson that we're here to learn through what we do in life. So it's very broad, but it's quite potent. So that key, 42, and if you happen to know the I Ching, you'll be able to relate that. And if you know human design, you'll be able to relate that as well. If you know any of those other systems, you don't need to know any of those things. But 42 is about expectation. That's the shadow. Right. So it's about a constant lesson of not being tripped up 
by your own expectations of yourself, your life, and others. And so once you have that as a like a view, that's going to be a major a major archetype, a major mythology of your life. And and it can be also expectations of others. It can be the expectations of your parents. It can be the expectations of the world on you and this kind of pressure that sometimes either we create or we feel from the world on us. So there's lots of stories that come out about that. You know, like for instance, take Russell Brand recently, the stories around him. That's an example of expectation kind of playing out a shadow thing. So it's, and, and I'm not kind of judging either way. I'm just saying that's a game of expectation that is, is not, wouldn't feel like a game to him, but all the scandals and things, there's expectation and disappointment. And it's the disappointment of others. It's probably his experience. It's a whole journey. So that key opens up those kind of narratives in, in at the shadow level, right? <laughs> so I don't know if that kind of resonates with any of your journey, and it can follow you into relationships and into business. And it's about building up a kind of expectation that then may not work in the way that you feel, right? But then the next layer up, if you look at the word, it's, can you see which word it says? There should be three words under expectation. I'm looking at my life's work, what I'm here to do, Gene Key 42. Expectation, it says line three, changer. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. And does it and are there any other words next to it? It has celebration, detachment, expectation, yep. and then Perfect. line three changer. Great. So that's your example, right? So the shadow is the expectation. The gift, that's the learning, that's the transformational journey. That's the gift of detachment. So detachment is about stepping back from the outer dramas of the expectation game and then kind of using it for your own growth and using it for creativity, which probably is what you've done with your life. <laughs> you've probably used what you've learned from your own suffering to create a teaching or something inspiring to others because you've been able to detach from the victim pattern. If you hadn't been able to detach, you wouldn't be able to teach because you wouldn't have the wisdom. <laughs> And then the highest level, which is beautiful, these are called siddhis. It's a Sanskrit word because for the highest level, there was no word in English that I could find because it's, it's about an enlightened or awakened, fully awakened or fully realized aspect of our consciousness operating at its zenith, right? So these are like beautiful big words. So yours is celebration. So when you see those three words, you get to see a whole thread of a story, expectation, that leads to train you in, in the art of detachment, which is everywhere. It's quite has a flavor of the Buddhist, this one. Each one has a sort of has some lineages that might be connected to it. And the celebration is about celebration of every moment, everything in life, even the difficulties. So it's coming to a point where everything is worth kind of loving, celebrating. And the change apart. That's a lot. That's there's six variations of each key, so the, those are called the lines. So if you know your I Ching, you'll know that there are six lines in what's called a hexagram, and a hexagram is equivalent to each key, gene key. And so this is the third line up, and the third line is called the changer because it's the most 
adaptable, flexible, spontaneous, at the shadow, unreliable, at the gift, you know, just versatile, right? So changers love to move, change. They're here to create change. They're here to challenge the status quo. They're here to kind of awaken things, dynamize things, catalyze new things. They're always on the move, often physically as well, like traveling and changing. And relationships can sometimes be challenging until you find another changer or someone that can really adapt with you to the to the, that constant need to learn, grow, shift. So changes are amazing, you know, and th- there are different variations. You know, you could be a server, for instance. I'm a server, and that's that's very different. That's a different, that's a more fixed, reliable, influential energy. The changer is constantly adapting, shifting. Those around a changer are always trying to keep up with them. So, you know, that's probably the people around you probably recognize that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that, does any of that resonate? Oh my gosh, yes. This is so interesting. But I want to go back for a minute before we dive even deeper. I want to hear about your own personal journey and experience and how that influenced the development of the Gene Keys. Can you share a bit about your story and how you got here? Yeah, I think, I mean, I was, you know, I had quite a privileged upbringing here in England. And I guess, you know, the most difficult part of my childhood, I'm not going to go back into my childhood, but was going off to boarding school at a very young age. And that kind of Although I shut down emotionally because of that, later in my life, in my 20s, I went on a journey to try and bring part of me alive again. And so that's why I started seeking and I I had this interest in alternative things. And and out of that came a, a whole journey for me of traveling around the world. And as you know, I went to Australia and I went to many places and lots of incredible things happened to me like as I traveled. And I went to lots of places in my 20s because I was, I was hungry for something to awaken some part of me. And I also went to university and, and ended up studying literature and, and poetry and philosophy and things. So that these were my interests. And then I had a massive spiritual experience in my 20s and spontaneous experience that lasted for three days, I woke up in my bed into an awakened state. So I woke up from being asleep into this very different state of consciousness. And that it was very strange. Like I woke up and there it was. And I was like, oh yeah, I know this. <laughs> but there was another part of me that was just going, what the? You know, the, the human part of me was going like, how long is this going to last? <laughs> that was the, the question. It's like, because it was very blissful. And I was very opened up to sort of celestial wisdom, I guess, or cosmic knowing. And for so those three days and three nights, I was in that state and with both a human part of me, but then a cosmic part of me. And then I came down off that mountain with a bit of a crash and spent, that's why I spent a lot of my 20s searching for like, oh my God, what do I do now? And all my friends and kind of contemporaries were doing the kind of getting married, having children, getting jobs, careers, getting on with it. And I was one of those like, can't do that anymore. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I, and anyway, so th- 
through my travels, I started to thread together something that eventually led to me writing the Gene Keys book. And I met human design. That was a big point in my life, the human design system. I worked with the founder of that system, Raruhu, and uh, that was a big part of my journey. And then I, I had to transcend that and move on from that and created the Gene Keys. And so that's, that br brings us <laughs> up to, not quite up to date, but that's sort of how I got here. I know there's some confusion in this area. So can you clarify, what is the difference between human design and Gene Keys? Yeah, I mean, they've grown from a similar root, which is the I Ching and a synthesizing matrix that's rooted in these 64-fold structures of you know, universal patterns. And so growing from the same root, but then into a different tree, if you know what I mean. And so parallel alongside each other. So rooted in that same soil, but then very different approaches, you could say. So human design is more of a knowledge-based system. It's intellectual, it's mental in that way. It tells you strategies for how to live your life. This is who you are. Very straight lines and powerful in that way. Gives you real sort of structure, things to hold on to in your life, decision-making strategies and things like that. And then Gene Keys is not like that. It's not based on certainty. It's based on uncertainty. <laughs> it's based on mystery. It's about wisdom rather than knowledge. So it doesn't put more knowledge into you. It actually, the approach is that it's more yin to that yang. So it, it more assumes that you already have a wisdom inside you, in your DNA, in your body. And its job of the system is to awaken that wisdom. And you have to do that bit. And so it's a contemplative journey. So when you look at a Gene Keys profile, you're not looking at who you are. You're looking at, this is your journey. That's very different. This is not you. This is your journey. These are the steps and stages and narrative. See, I'm a poet, so I love narratives and storylines. And I'm not in so much into strategies and kind of left brain sort of da 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 My approach has been like, let's trust the wisdom of your inner nature to find its own way through life. And here are some storylines that you can play with and contemplate and then nurture that love that's inside you to come forth and live more powerfully in the world. And I, the final thing I'd say is that the other big difference between human design and Gene Keys is the language. That's why I left human design, because the language I found limiting. And, and I wanted to explore like higher states of consciousness and transcendent consciousness. And that's where the jinkies were born into these higher words like celebration, compassion, rapture. These are some of the jinkies. These are some of the highest expressions of the jinkies. Jinky 12, purity, you know, jinky 50, harmony, jinky 29, devotion. You know, these are like transcendent fields that we can live into not strategies. You know, strategies have their place and time and they're wonderful, especially when we're confused about life. They can give us something to hold on to. But the Gene Keys is, is, is in that sense a much, I don't know, it's a more transcendent system. So I don't know if that gives you a clue. They can operate quite well next to each other, although it's a lot, you know, so there are a lot of people that cross over 
and weave the systems into their lives. And some people just choose one and they go, that's their way and that's great. Mm-hmm. How would someone use the gene keys to gain insight into their life purpose and personal challenges? What is the actual process like? Yeah, well, most there's lots of ways you can do it. Most people start with the profile and it's such a nice journey because then you have these like yours we start you might start your journey um you might get the book you might get the kindle book and then you might just look at your profile and start listening to some of the audios or you might read up your gene key and then you might learn the central technique which i've mentioned is called the art of contemplation so over time i've assembled these different i guess transmissions or parts of the teaching but the art of contemplation stands alone because it kind of it doesn't even need the gene keys. So it's a beautiful thing to learn how to apply the art of contemplation to anything in your life. But it is the central sort of method. So it's very simple. And, that, and I wrote a little book called The Art of Contemplation, and there's sort of audios and things on it everywhere, all over YouTube, and you know, because I talk about it a lot. And it's my practice. It's my central practice. And most people that do the gene keys, they learn, you know, they they would learn that first. And it's just about slowing down in your life a little bit. And the it begins with pausing. That's the technique. It's just finding pauses. We call them harvesting pauses, which are littered throughout our everyday lives, but we miss them, right? And so when you start applying this contemplative art to your life, one of the first things that happens is you start to pause more often. And pauses can be very short. You know, they can be a couple of deep in-breaths in between two tasks. And so it's it's training us to live in a slower rhythm, but that doesn't mean that we slow down. It means that we actually the opposite happens in a way we become much more efficient because we're able to create more gaps in our day and in our, in our lives. And in those gaps, magic occurs, transformation occurs, what I call pivotal experiences. So when you're contemplating your keys, this is what you do. You, you start to create those pauses and then you forget about your keys for a while and, you know, and then something bubbles up maybe when you're unexpected, you're not expecting it, usually when you're pausing and something in your outer life reflects the teaching that you're learning. And that's one of the magical aspects of being in a human body and being on a, any transformational journey, is, isn't it? I mean, you, you'll, I'm sure you teach this yourself, that when you bring your attention to something, so let's say we're talking about a key of failure, you know, so let's, let's take we're talking a shadow of failure and we're looking at that and we're thinking about what is failure to me? How have I failed? What do, how do I look through the lens of failure? What is my relationship to failure? Am I afraid of failure? Am I afraid of success? Those kind of questions, when you're contemplating those, suddenly, at some point, and either you meet someone who's in the throes of a failure themselves or a self-judgment, or it happens to you, And so you start to learn from the living experience of your life because you've put your attention there. So that's really how the Gene Keys work. You go on these journeys of contemplating the keys and then you learn from your life because your life reflects it back. So it's quite magical and spontaneous and, you know, full of the unexpected. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
You talk about the gene keys being a tool to unlock the hidden power of our DNA. In that way, is it like the field of epigenetics? Do they complement each other? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of rooted in some of those breakthroughs that are constantly coming. You know, the epigenetics teaches us, like the likes of Bruce Lipton and other people that really have have kind of helped us understand those fields. Yeah, Bruce has been on the podcast. He's wonderful. Has he? Yeah. He's a lovely man. Yeah. And so understanding how our environment shapes our genes and our reality and extending that into our environment being our attitude to life, as I said earlier, like the way in which we respond to difficult circumstances is in it kind of, it's how we then manifest, it reflects in our biology, in our life view, and in our destiny, ultimately. So we shape our destiny according to how we respond to challenges and what we call shadow patterns in the gene keys. And the shadow patterns, even though we hate them sometimes when they come because they're very inconvenient and uncomfortable, in the gene keys, we open and expand our view so that when one happens, we really go, we sort of go, right, here we are. Here's some juice. There's going to be some really awesome creativity and learning hidden in this difficulty. Let's find out where it is. And so you go towards it instead of trying to distract yourself away from it. And in that, in that going towards, you enter that transformational world of empowerment, self-empowerment. And yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And then you, you might touch into some of these higher states, these transcendent states, because you're doing this shadow work. So epigenetics kind of supports that the views and the and the kind of breakthroughs that have happened because our environment at a quantum level is our attitude you know it's the way we think it's the way we've been we train ourselves to think it's the way we feel it's the way we respond to everything so if we can if like for you like your highest transcendent state in your life's work is to celebrate everything so even when something difficult comes, if you're in that heightened state, you'd celebrate that too. You'll be like, bring it on. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get, we're going to find the juice in this. We're going to find the creativity, the flower in this, in this difficulty. I don't always think that in the moment though, but always in hindsight. Yeah, exactly. But that's the journey, isn't it? You kind of have to be in the weeds for a bit until you kind of have that breakthrough. Mm -hmm. So what's the craziest story you've heard of people using the Gene Key system to change the expression of their DNA to improve their health? Oh, well, people do all kinds of crazy things in the world, don't they? People have, I mean, it's, it's a field I don't, I'm not trained in science or the medical sciences, but like, I think there's lots of crossovers and experimentation to come in terms of how we we kind of respond to the amino acids and you know in our body in our biology because in gene keys if you look at my book in the book i put in there in every key there's a relationship to a part of the body and to a you know an amino acid profile and you know a co a genetic codon so as we kind of experiment a bit more you know, and some people have done this, they experiment with taking amino acids, or I'm, I'm not 
saying people should do this at all because I it's not been verified. And but I think it's interesting. And when I was talking to Zach Bush recently, who's an expert in these fields, we talked about let's um, do some experiments with how supplements that influence and increase amino acid connections in our body reflecting our gene keys. So in a sense, the potential is you could go on a a medical journey based on your gene keys. You know, when I say a medical journey, I don't I mean more like which nutrition and supplements and things might you take and in what sequence because if they mirror the sequence of your awakening of your gene keys, then you know, you've got an interesting journey. Wow, that's really fascinating. Yeah, I know. To be continued, that part. So Gene Keys is very much an evolving system. Yes. Yeah. I love that. You mentioned before the art of contemplation. Can you talk about what this is? How do we actually do that? Well, yeah. You know, if people are interested, I do recommend that little book on Amazon, Art of Contemplation. And there's also a little mini course on my website, which is really fun, where I read the book to you and give you little videos and tasks and kind of little tools to help. But essentially, it's, it starts with this, it's, it's three levels of the technique. And it really all is about this pausing and slowing down enough so that we can absorb wisdom or we give the wisdom inside us time to emerge. And that's the problem with modern life is that we rarely give ourselves time for wisdom to emerge. So like I say, like I have my morning tea session and that's the only purpose of it really is to create space. It's like meditation, but but it's it's broader than a formal, not just drinking tea, but anything. You can use anything to create the field of contemplation. So you could be running, you could be swimming, you could be doing sports, you could be doing anything you could possibly name, you could be doing it. And it could be an aspect of contemplation or a contemplative practice. So so literally you can weave it through your day. Your work can be a contemplative experience. It depends on if you give yourself enough time to let things kind of make to to make sense of things so that that wisdom inside you can respond spontaneously to whatever's going on and you know so we apply in gene keys in our business teams we apply as an example we apply that approach because we're all imbued with it so we all have that contemplative rhythm that means that if any one of us is feeling overwhelmed by work or whatever we know immediately that that's a shadow state and we slow down and we create some space so that we can explore that and that we can find out what's the gift, what do we need, what's needed here to change that so that you know there's some beautiful creativity that emerges from it. There's an insight or a breakthrough or even an epiphany. And so, in, so this pacing and this creating the space for the field of contemplation to flower, that's the foundation. The next level is called pivoting, and pivoting is what changes in the midst of that slowing down state. So an example might be, like, I like running, right? I'm kind of a bit of a slow runner, and I'm I'm a contemplative runner. I'm not a competitive runner in any way. 
And and people sometimes, my friends say, can I come for a run? Should we go together? And I'm like, yeah, I, I just like running on my own. That's my that's my way. And I, I run a couple of times a week, not that often. But I love to run around the, uh, the hillsides where I live. And when I go on one of those runs, I always wonder, I wonder what will occur in this run in terms of my mind's in a rhythm. I'm kind of, I'm not thinking about anything consciously, but then something comes up. And something gets resolved in often when I'm going through that process because my body's engaged. There's a rhythm. The breath is in, is kind of moving. There's this, you know, anything you do in life can have that quality. But if you create it as a sort of living contemplation, the chances are you'll you'll experience a moment of pivoting, which is where you have a breakthrough. So when you come back from the run or whatever it is you're doing, you've had an insight. And that insight can improve some area of your life in some way. So you begin to, it's actually a physical, something's changed. It's not just like you had a good thought. Something actually shifts inside you. That's a pivotal experience. You can't guarantee it'll always happen. You can't make it happen. You, all you can do is create the conditions, and it's something that happens on its own. So that's why... In the art of contemplation, I'm constantly in the back of that little book. I give lots of examples of like, here's some cool techniques to create those conditions. Like a lovely word I use is lingering. So you train yourself to linger a little bit longer in events, places than you normally would. And that lingering, or you might take a, a longer route deliberately between A and B, you know, because you're giving yourself an extra 10 minutes, for example. And you go, instead of going from A straight to B, you take a meandering route, maybe along the river or through the market or something like that. And even though you know you've got to get there by this time, you've given yourself that extra 10 minutes so that you can slow down, enjoy life. And the difference between that meandering journey and the one that's straight there is huge. Because in the one when you're relaxed, when you're flowing, that's where the insights come. That's where the pivotal experience. You might meet someone. You might create a synchronicity. Something incredible might happen. You might stop by the river and see the sunlight and, and just go, wow, that was my top moment of the day, that pause. And then so a life full of those, the third level is called merging. So you go from pausing, pivoting, and merging. And merging is not a technique. It's something that happens through those changes, through those pivotal transformational breakthroughs. And what happens is we merge with the field of consciousness. Parts of us open up and we merge through our heart and through our body and through our mind. And it's where we enter into that field of wisdom. We become part of it. So those merging experiences are quite powerful when they happen and they, they can come like contractions. The more we do this contemplative practice, the more of those kind of blissful experiences, transcendent experiences, we enter into. So that's really the whole of contemplation in three words. Pausing, pivoting, merging. Mm, I love that. I love those three words so much. I can literally feel my whole body melt when you say those words and soften and relax. But what about for people who are like, Richard, I have three kids. I have a business. I have so many things on my to-do list. I can't possibly slow down. I can't possibly take the longer route. I can't do those things. What would you suggest for that person? 
Well, I am that person. Let's start there. <laughs> I have brought up a family and kind of run a, am running a kind of big business all that has many people all around the world. And I'm doing all of that. And I've, this has grown, this teaching has grown out of my, the needs of my spirit within that busy life with all its commitments, responsibilities. And I've been a very hands-on father as well, you know, even when my, when my, especially when my kids were very young. So pausing can be very short. I have a wonderful little app called the, it's on the app store now, Triple Flame app. Okay. It's called the Triple Flame. You can download it for free. And what it does is that every three hours, it pings you for three minutes. And so it gives you a structured pausing rhythm. So it goes three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, and it gives you a little ding. And then there's a, there's a choice of, you can either just do what you're doing with more awareness for three minutes, or you can do a little meditation, or you can do some oming with me or whatever, you know, it's like, there's some little choices of things you could do. It's a really nice softening the heart meditation that lasts three minutes. And it just reminds us in a rhythm throughout our day, a pause, you know, most people can manage three minutes. But I tell you, the difference after you've done that for three weeks and you start to realize these pauses are interconnected, they're like pearls along a necklace of awareness that starts to then grow. And even if you've got a screaming kid, you still might be able to like just, oh, well, they'll wait for three minutes. You know, I'm just going to drop right into this. So you can do it and you can do it for, you know, and you don't have to do it at those times, but it's an entraining, you know, so it gets a really powerful pulsing rhythm into your life. And I, the other thing, by the way, I love about that app is that it shows you how many other people are pausing right now with you in your time zone. So it's kind of fun. And so you might be pausing with a hundred others. And right now, when there's a feeling of like, oh, they're pausing too. It's like there's a kind of surge of pausing going on around the world. And so it's it's powerful. You can you can get these, it you can get these into your day, and it makes a huge difference. It's just sometimes in the beginning we need a little discipline, self discipline, and then we start to enjoy it. And as we start to enjoy it, we start to stretch those pauses out naturally. We're like, oh, I think I'm going to have a few more minutes. <laughs> and so we've got little buttons on there. You can have a ten minute meditation if you want, or you can do a five minute one, or you you can extend it, or you don't need the structure at all. You just you just sit and look at the sun or a bird, or you do something magical that is sort of has no purpose. Maybe you sit with a friend. Maybe you deliberately create pauses. You know, you get creative about pauses and you fall in love with that state of just, as I said, pauses don't mean stopping either. So you can be active. You can be doing all, you can be doing the gardening. You can be doing the dishes. You can be doing all the things, the tasks that need to happen. But it's just, you get creative instead of like you're doing the washing up. And it's a sort of boring thing, and you're you know you're in a hurry, and you're like instead you might just go well I'm going to put on that pausing thing, uh, that that meditation or that piece of music, and I'm going to do the washing up to that, and it totally changes the way you do the washing up because you sort of you know you sink into this this state where you're harvesting the pause in the activity. Do you see what I mean? Yes, I love that so much. As a mama. And a relatively new mama. I've got a two and a half year old. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. 
I crave those moments so much because, yeah, as you know, when you have a tiny human that you are looking after, those moments are pure bliss. So for me, I take her for a walk in the pram most days. And before she was here, I would go for walks and listen to podcasts and I'd always be learning. Now I just walk and breathe. And she will usually fall asleep in the pram. That's her nap time. And I love it so much. And I was walking the other day and I was just looking up and I was like, wow, me pre-baby, I would have been constantly learning, listening to podcasts and just taking in information. But I was just really just pausing, slowing down, breathing deeply. And now for me also, driving. When I drive, I used to always listen to podcasts. I don't do that anymore because I've always got her in the car. So we'll either have like a little bit of music on or silence and I'm just breathing deeply and really feeling that breath go into my belly. And I cannot tell you how delicious those moments are for my soul. And they're just little moments. Those two anchors for me throughout the day are what bring me back to the moment, bring me back to myself, that art of contemplation. But for someone who is listening and they want to integrate the teachings of the gene keys easily into their daily routine, what else can we do? What are some other simple ways that we can integrate some of the teachings in? Well, that's beautiful, by the way, hearing those, you know, that journey that you're on and how a a young child, or it can be anything, could be a dog or pet or something that just creates gaps in our day where we're just with ourselves or with another and or with our breath. So yeah, that's that's one kind of central way. One of the things that we do at Gene Keys is that we've we've become very adept at putting on online retreats and creating experiences that connect people around the world through the same teachings. And so right now we've just launched a retreat that lasts three months and it's kind of, once once it started, it started. And what happens is it hums along in the background of your life, whatever your life is. And there's all these resources that are given to you and it's your choice of how you can move through that. And it, it doesn't involve keeping you online. It just gives you little pointers and touchstones for the rhythm each week. Here's something to look out for this week. Here's something, you, you know, if you watch this little video, you know, for instance, we're doing a thing with dreams at the moment and animals. And it gives you that focus of like, look out for see which creature comes to you over the next week or, or month. Uh, whether it comes through a dream, whether it comes in real life, or it just keeps showing itself up, maybe somewhere. And then I've I've coded all those creatures into the gene keys. So you can kind of see, well, which archetype does it represent in the threading storyline narratives of the gene keys? For example, you're like gene key 42, which is your life's work, relates to the parrot the bird of a parrot. And it also has a relationship to a mammal and to an underworld creature. I can't remember them all. <laughs> but I know I remember the parrot because it's one I've been contemplating myself because it kind of came to me. And so the parrot kind of represents something, an archetype, a flowering, a celebration in some form. 
a celebration of color and vitality and creativity. And, and so it's something else you can contemplate. And so it's, that's just one example of very, uh, lots of creative ways in which we're playing with the gene keys so that you can bring that playfulness into your life more. And play is so important. You learn it from your children. You learn it from animals. We learn it from our environment. And so it's a real important part of kind of being, being playful in our language, being playful in our discovery process. And like, as I said, tracking our dream life, unlocking our heart. You know, if we don't feel playful in our heart, we don't really have a day that's at peace. So it's super important. So it's something that in, a, in the Jinkies community around the world, we really like to put an emphasis on that quality of inner play. And sometimes there's things that happen to us or grief that we're in or something that we're, where you, you might think play can't live there. It can't live anywhere near this grief I'm feeling. It doesn't belong here. But actually, it can even be brought into as a subtle undercurrent. Not that you're going to be smiley and all, but it means that, like, for instance, when my father died a couple of years ago, you know, it was like a big shock, of course. But one of the things that came for me is I realized in my morning contemplations that I could contact him in a much more intimate way than I ever had before. So alongside my grief was this incredible new way of connecting with his spirit. And I had no I didn't know that that was possible. And it's I opened to it and it became a form of play where I could not that I would have conversations with him and stuff, but I could feel his spirit kind of playing with me. And so even things that are difficult have dimensions that are beautiful. But we have to be open to them. You know, and and so that becomes a really important aspect, I think of contemplation. Contemplation is not a serious thing. It is serious at one level because it, re- it, it it's, it's powerful, it's transformational. But at the other level, it requires a playful mind and a playful attitude and approach. It's very, you know, good for changes like you. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you see the Gene Keys evolving in the future? Are there new insights or developments that you are currently exploring or planning to incorporate into the system? Yeah, we're always, you know, we're just always exploring and being playful. And we've got a part that we're developing, a chemistry app, relationship chemistry, which is a way of reading the chemistry between two people through the keys, which is going to be really fun. And so we're kind of, that's in the background of development. Next year, we're going to be exploring a model called the Star Pearl, which is a it's kind of not quite a sequence, but it's one of the set of gene keys that has to do with creating harmony in our society, in our inner life, but also in business, in our society. So that has a lot of applications in the business world. So we're going to be developing that, hopefully for use in the business world. And then, you know, so we've got lots of things coming. I don't know, it's just, it's nonstop. It's, it's beautiful. And we're kind of taking it at, you know, our own pace. So there's a, there's a lot of fun still lying ahead. I'd like to do something on dying at some point. I'm writing a book. I'm always writing something. I'm writing a big book at the moment on called The Sage, which is my homage to the original I Ching, where I, I, I'm writing, you know, through my poetic eye, like 
all the different color mythic strands of every single one of these lines. So you're like 42, line three, that, you know, and there's 384 of those in the code in the in the code book. And so each one of them I've given a name, I've written a little sutra for, and I'm exploring like what is that as a mythic lineage. And so I'm drawing from all my reading, all my traveling, all my writing. I could have only done that later in my life because I had to have the experience. And so I'm drawing on my whole life and bringing all those colors into this book. So I'm I'm always like exploring stuff and I've got an amazing team who we work with and I love traveling so we're plans to do all kinds of things and i'm collaborating with all kinds of people at the moment um so it's whatever's spontaneously arising i love that and what about how many children do you have what are their ages how has this understanding helped your relationship with them they my children are, are kind of growing up now so my daughter's 16 and then my son's 18 and the other one is 22 they're they're all still at home, although the middle one is off traveling in the USA. And how's it affected? You know, I haven't, it's, it's strange to some people that I don't kind of sit down and taught them the gene keys. It's my approach that's important, I think. Like, I see the highest aspects in them. And I also see the shadow behaviors and the th- challenges that they're going to have and that are having sometimes. But because I see that higher aspect in their nature, their gifts and their cities, their highest, you know, transcendent possibilities, that's the field that I do my best to hold around them. And so there's always a place at a deep kind of quantum level that they can come and there's a person or two people, parents, holding this high frequency vision for them. And they can kind of go off and make their mistakes and go through their struggles and stuff, but they always come back and there we are holding those highest states for them. And knowing that just by holding that in the field, they can find their own way over time towards it because it's been kind of, and it, it may not be spoken of, it, it isn't usually, it's an unconscious thing. And it means that you don't have to overly interfere with their destinies either which I think is a real key for a parent is like finding that fine line between interfering with your own agenda, but also you need to put down occasionally some boundaries as a parent, but that, so you figure out those, but then the bigger field, you have to be deeply patient and, and you know that written into the DNA is this whole Dharma, this whole destiny, and they're going to find their way eventually. So I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it's a kind of hands-off approach. Mm, I love that. And you're just holding space for their higher self. And that's really our role, isn't it? And we're their safe harbor that they can keep coming back to. And we can keep holding that vision and that inspiration for them. I love that. It's, it's beautiful. So I would love everyone to go out and buy your book and dive deeper into this incredible work. But if you could share just one key message or insight from the Gene Keys that you'd like everyone to take away from this conversation, what would it be? Yeah, I often say this because I think it's ha- it's my treasure. You know, if I were to share something with myself from the future 
or with my past self, it would be about being gentle with yourself. Like being gentle on yourself is a key component of the contemplative way. Because when we are like hard on ourselves or, so, or judgmental or we put ourselves under pressure and, and these expectations that we create, you know, these agendas, these big dreams sometimes, even though they're noble, sometimes they put us under a, like a kind of burden. And so that's why the pausing is powerful because it's a moment to be gentle with yourself and just go, I'm actually fulfilling my destiny right now, <laughs> right? Right now, my highest purpose is simply just to be here, 100% present with whatever I'm feeling. So if you, if you create that field of gentleness around yourself, then anything that comes up in your life inside, anything interior, has a place, like those children, you know, has a place, a harbor where it feels safe. So even a very vulnerable part of your nature can feel safe within that climate that you create around yourself of gentleness and one final thing i'd say about that is sometimes gentleness isn't all softy softy you know sometimes gentleness towards yourself means firmness towards others because it's about drawing a line where someone's mistreating you or or you know in some way so sometimes you have to gentleness can actually create firmness or boundaries but it's gentleness towards yourself. That is a key aspect of awakening. I've often said that, you know, awakening, as I experienced it, when I had that kind of early experience, awakening is a series of softenings that take place in our lives and across our hearts so that we open more broadly to existence, you know, and we become that child, that playful child, even living in an adult's body but we never lose that purity of 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 heart and we need that gentleness in order that we can kind of find that new rhythm in our lives and start to explore the garden again my daughter has definitely brought that out in me so much that gentleness that softness that pause that playfulness the patience yeah, I had no idea I could be so patient until I had my daughter. And, you know, my husband just looks at me and he goes, God, you're so patient. And I'm like, well, it's that softening as well. So she's definitely brought that out in me. And I'm so grateful because it's allowed me to soften deeper into myself. So it's been beautiful. And you'll need that later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So let's pretend you have a magic wand now and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world besides your book, which definitely should be in there. What is one book you would choose? It could be on any topic. Yeah. I um, Spontaneously, the book that arose up in me as you asked the question was The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. He's a friend of mine and and I was just with him in Italy and we were talking about this. It's a beautiful book because it helps anyone with the creative gifts that are kind of emerging inside us. So it should be like, you know, because creativity has so many pitfalls, like whether you're, he's obviously a music producer, but 
whether you're a musician or an artist or a business person or anything, creativity is always a part of, can always be a part of your life. And I just think that book gives us so many beautiful little pearls of wisdom. It's basically saying what I just said, that just back off giving yourself such a hard time and allow the creative process its space and its timing and its rhythm. And it gives you lots of really practical kind of tools to do that so that whatever is lying inside you that wants to come out can come out in a way that's really clean, that's, you know, that you where you're not anxious and under pressure. So I think that's a beautiful book. And it's all over the, you know, it's doing very, very well. It's in the sort of top 10 books at the airports and stuff. So it's I really recommend it. The Creative Act, Rick Rubin. Yes, we'll link to it in the show notes as well as your book. And creativity is something that we all have within us. And it's just the stories that we tell ourselves, oh, I'm not creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body. Like it's all just stories. Like, and we can express our creativity doing the dishes, dancing in our lounge room. It doesn't have to look a certain way. Creativity is a feeling. And whatever allows you to feel creative, like do those things. For me, working out is creativity. Moving my body in in the gym is creativity for me. One of many things, but it's about expressing it because I think when we suppress that creative energy, that's when resentment builds, anger, frustration, all of those feelings build within us. It's such a great outlet for difficulty. You know, anywhere you experience difficulty or obstruction or challenge, creativity is a clear answer to it. Absolutely. I'd love to hear about your morning routine and your little rituals and how you go through your day. I know there's no two days that are ever the same, but can you kind of talk us through the different rituals and things that you do and when you work and all of those things? I love hearing about people's days and their processes. Oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah, as I said, my I'm a morning person, so you know everyone's different with their rhythms. Uh, so I rise early before the sun is up. Usually, you know, well, in the summer it's not always, but I'm usually up at like six, and s- sometimes earlier. And I kind of make my tea. I sit outside. I have a little table, and I always sit outside, even in the depths of the English winter if it's howling a gale. In fact, I love those ones where there's a gale. And I'm under a little kind of cover, a veranda. So I'm sitting there with whatever the weather is. And I sit there as the world wakes up. And I love that because the soundscape changes as the world wakes up. And the little I have the little birds that come. I know them almost by name, you know, and their songs because I'm there every day. And they come and visit me. And, and it's the light changing there's something magical about being in the crepuscular light, you know, the dawning or the dusk light is so magical. Sometimes I have a little lantern with a candle. Sometimes I just, I'm in the darkness and I watch the light come. And I sit there with my tea, very beautiful teas, and I just little, little tiny amounts and just let the aroma and the process kind of open in me. And my contemplation opens up into whatever it needs to do. So my my thoughts kind of fly out and I'm just in a space where I'm, I meet myself and I meet the world uh, however I am. And that's my morning ritual. And then I'll have breakfast with my wife and 
usually take my daughter to school. And then I, I work in the mornings. My mind is sharp in the mornings, and it so I write in the mornings usually. And then I kind of slow down around lunchtime, and I'm, I'm often like in the garden or because I, I can't, I find my mind doesn't really engage in the afternoons. Like I can't write in the afternoons. I might have meetings because I'm talking to people in the US who, because my business is run all over the world. We have people in Australia, people in the US, and we're all part of a team. So there might be some meetings. And then I'm kind of maybe going for a run or I'm doing some gardening or doing some exercise. And then it's like supper time and before you know it. And so whoever's around is gathering for that evening time and evening meal and everyone's a bit tired usually including me and then there's often some sometimes a little surge around six o'clock in kind of clarity and so I, i'm sometimes doing things like podcasts around that time just before supper or just after and i've done a lot of podcasts this year actually and i'm going to slow down doing them in next year but yeah and then the evening is whatever it is hanging out with family hanging out with my wife maybe watching something on tv or just kind of talking, contemplating together. It's a simple life, mine. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. It's really beautiful. I have three rapid-fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yeah. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Yeah, pausing. Like harvest some pauses today. Maybe get that little app, the Triple Flame app, and just let it ping you every three hours. And just try it for one day. Just try having four little three-minute pauses and see what difference that makes at the end of the day. I'd say that's a really nice beginning. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? <laughs> Same answer. <laughs> Create that space so that the magic can jump in and inhabit it. If you don't create that space, then whatever wants to come through you is not going to be able to come through because you're just pushing yourself against the tide. So I'd say the same answer, create pauses, see what comes in, see what jumps into those pauses, see what insights, breakthroughs, you know, creative currents start to emerge. Yeah, it could be magic. Mm, beautiful. And what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Are you going to say the same answer again? <laughs> kind of. I think one of the things I, I mentioned in the Art of Contemplation book is there are people in our life, friends, right? Friends are very important. Friendship. So giving time to continuously cultivate your friendships, so important. And so often our lives, you know, our friends have to fit in, you know, into little gaps and stuff. So part of pausing is to create space for our friendships. And if you have a friend who makes you laugh, for example, then one of the things you can do is make a commitment to spend more time with them. <laughs> it's that simple. I mean, because then you're creating a pause where that friendship can bloom and it's going to bring you joy and them joy. And that's going to then spill over into the rest of your life. So integrate friendships you know, into your life. Because when you get to the end of your life, this is what people say, you know, on their deathbeds, that the most important thing in their life has been their friendships. And we forget that. But so it's really super important that we, we build that into our lives. We build that into our time. Otherwise, you know, 
what's the point? Yeah, exactly. And often it's literally the thing that keeps getting pushed down our list. You know, we've got the kids, we've got work, and then something else will pop up with the kids and something else will pop up with work and the catch up with the friend just gets pushed down and down and down. And in fact, Dan Butner, who discovered the Blue Zones, who's been on the podcast, one of the commonalities between these Blue Zones was that they fostered deep connections with their friends and family. And that was such a big part of their longevity piece. And it's so important. And I know for me, I can get so focused on my work and so focused on being the best mother that I can be. But I am so lit up by my friendships. You know, I'm a generator in human design. I love people. I'm a people person. I'm an Aries. I love people. And so for me, it's that reminder that they are such a huge piece of my wellness puzzle. And so taking the time to catch up, spend time, have dinners, lunches, I'm always lit up afterwards. So true. Yeah. That's why you see in those blue zones, they're all sitting around having tea together or drinking or, you know, just sharing. I mean, they give time to it. Absolutely. This has been so beautiful. Is there anything else you would like to share or any last parting words of wisdom? I kind of feel like I've said it all, actually. (laughs) Gentleness, friendship, space, breathing, pausing, contemplation. These are like the kind of key elements of a fulfilling life. It's not rocket science. Um, They're basically things that we've drifted away from as a species the modern human. And so a lot of people are reminding us, including you, of these these essentials. And yeah, I don't know anything more. I don't know an art of more value than the art of contemplation, you know, the forgotten art, but it is it enters into every single sphere of existence possible. So if you can do something with that spirit, then whatever you're doing you exalt it to a transcendent possibility. You know, so it's a real gift. It's as precious, if not more so, than meditation because it can include meditation, but even can go beyond it because you can integrate it so easily into any kind of life, into any kind of activity. And so, yeah, I I find it like, you can tell I'm passionate about it. (laughs) Definitely. It's so beautiful. It's just allowing you to go deeper within yourself, to live a more meaningful, contented, peaceful existence within yourself. Like that's ultimately what I want, that's for sure. So it's really beautiful. So thank you so much. You are helping and you are serving and you are supporting so many people with your work. So I would love to know how I and the listeners can give back and support you today. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, like if people are interested in taking the journey and kind of exploring Gene Keys and our community and then the things I've said, but like our most popular program is called the Activation Sequence. And so it's when you get your profile, it's called part one of the of what's called the Golden Path series. And it's a beautiful place to begin because it it takes you on the journey through 
your life's work, your evolution, your radiance, and your purpose. These four gene keys that when you get your profile, you can see them immediately. And it just is a little program that kind of gives you the the thread of the story, you know, and it integrates your keys online into your program. So it's kind of personalized to you. And it's just some videos, some meditations, some things to read, some things to contemplate and take into your life. It's, it doesn't demand a great deal. And we offer support for like people who, you know, to connect and, and calls and things. So it's a way, it's a lovely way to come in. And I think there's a good reason it's our most popular program. Yeah, the activation sequence. Um, that's how most people kind of begin their journey. So I really recommend that. Beautiful. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well as all of your amazing work. This has been so beautiful. Thank you so much. I love the Gene Keys and I really hope that this has sparked some interest within everybody and everyone goes and gets their profile. I would just love that because like we said, it just allows you to understand yourself on such a deeper level. So thank you for this incredible work. You are a wonderful, wonderful human being. This has been such a delight to spend this time with you. Thank you, Melissa. You too. You're doing an amazing job. Thank you so much. I really hope this episode has inspired you to dive deeper into the Gene Keys and to explore more about your true self. I think all of these modalities like the Gene Keys and astrology and human design, they're such amazing tools that allow us to understand and unpack some things about why we are the way that we are. So take what you wish from the Gene Keys and from this episode and things that don't resonate, just leave them. But always have a curious mind. Stay open. Stay a student for life. Always be growing and learning and evolving because this is the path to success in life. You know, as soon as we shut down, as soon as we close off from growth, that's when life becomes a struggle. So stay open, dive deep into the jinkies and let me know what you think. I would absolutely love to hear more. So come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini. And if you got a lot from this conversation, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, please go and do that right now. I would be so grateful. It means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you never have to go searching for a new episode. And now come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what your number one big key takeaway was from this episode. I absolutely love connecting with you and I love hearing what you get from each episode. So come and share with me. My DMs are flooded and I love connecting with you guys. So come on over there. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.